This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? Ignition News Podcast. My name is Solomon Ali at Solomon Ali NBA on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Pretty good. You got a new handle. Your ad's different now. Yeah, my ad's different now. A lot of things are different now. Um, I guess I should probably give a disclaimer before we get into things. Uh, so, as a lot of you guys may have seen on Twitter, I have joined the USA Today Sports Media Group to cover the Houston Rockets, and I am no longer the managing editor of this website anymore. And uh, it's a little sad. I really enjoyed building this website up, uh, watching people grow as writers, uh, watching the content we were putting out, and you know, just working with the group. I, I made some good friends here, and I'm still going to stay on as a contributor, as a podcast contributor. I'm just going to be the host of the podcast, pretty much, and pump out podcasts for you guys. This podcast will continue, so you guys don't have to worry about that. But uh, we'll no longer be managing editor of the website. Uh, that responsibility will be shared by uh, Forrest. It will be sh- it will be shared by George, and it'll be shared by Taylor. Uh, those three will take on that responsibility. Everything's still going to be the same. Same website, new Twitter. I mean, new Twitter account, same Twitter handle at Red Nation Oops is where you'll find the website's Twitter website. And yeah, that's it. I mean, I guess th- th- that was necessary, right? I, I should have gave a disclaimer there, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just wanted to to force you to tell all of our all of our lovely listeners your good news. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited. Very excited. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um it, I, a lot of people reached out. It was it was super cool. Like I I I didn't know that many people cared. I didn't expect that tweet to get the reaction that it did, but it was great. I loved it. Uh I love people who responded. I love people who, who reached out or even just gave that tweet a favorite. That was great. But yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the Rockets. Screw me. I'm not that important. Let's talk about this <laughs> basketball team. So, uh, okay. Clint Capella. Clint Capella out for four to six weeks, um, got a right thumb surgery. It's yeah. uh, He has right ligament. Right, he had damage on his right, lig- his right thumb. Right? Yeah. So that's a, it's not great. It's not horrible either. It'll take some time to come back from, but usually guys come back just fine. So... Yeah, initially, time. yeah, initially that that injury didn't seem as serious as it was portrayed, but um, they he did some. Ex- it. Yeah, he played through it. He, they did some X-rays on it, and it did uh, come back like it was fine. And then they did some more tests, and they found that there was ligament damage. So, um, not the great, not the best news for the Rockets, a team that is just trying to get healthy, just trying to get some healthy bodies on the floor. And uh, a team with a backup center that only plays 15 to 20 minutes per game. That's not great. It's <laughs> yeah. not great. And another backup center who is Marquise Chris. Yeah, that is... That might be worse than Nene playing <laughs> 15 to 20 minutes per game. Um, but the Rockets are severely, severely shorthanded in the front court. Like, they were already shorthanded before the Clint Capella injury, in fact. Um, we were talking about the Rockets needing size for a, little, a while now. Um because their rebounding has just been atrocious this year, they're still top. They're still bottom ten in defensive rebounding percentage. In fact, I think they're close to, if not the bottom, second to last in defensive rebounding percentage. They're pretty bad. 
uh, as a rebounding team. And that's why they've been largely bad as a defensive team. And this Clint Capella injury, and I know he's been bad uh, as a defender this year. I, I know he's not been the same level of switch defender. I know his room protection hasn't been as good. But he's definitely an anchor, man. He's he's a tall body that you put that you have to account for as an offense. Um, and the rebounds he was pulling down were so important to Houston. So I, I do think this is a big loss for Houston. It's, it's They're going to have to rejigger the way they play basketball for a few weeks. Well, I think we'll have plenty of time to uh, go into all the bad stuff with our special guest today, won't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did an interview <laughs> with Tape DeFore, and it got pretty dark. It got pretty dark as a disclaimer. It's going to be... Um, Dave's, Dave's a really great guest, He's he, and he was just being... He's just generally down on this team, but I like it because it's an objective voice, an outside voice, and you know, some this team has not been has not fulfilled expectations, so it's okay to have um, people think the way that Dave does. Yeah, oh, well, he, he's absolutely one of the smartest basketball minds out there, and uh, he's not wrong. I'll put it out there; he's not wrong at all. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that, that, that you guys should look forward to that. But in terms of replacing Clint Capella's production, um, what what can the Rockets realistically do, Forrest? Uh, I mean, their two avenues are basically a buyout or a trade, right? They have to either pick up someone that gets bought out, someone like a, like a Robin Lopez that people are looking at in Chicago who might get bought out or would like to get out of that situation, and who wouldn't, uh, or someone on the trade market, like Tristan Thompson, for example, is rumored to be on the trade market, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, perhaps a Dwayne Dedman, I thought, would be a, a, a great t- trade candidate. Yeah. Like. The Hawks look to be uh, sellers at the deadline. So Dwayne Dedman is someone the Rockets, I'm sure, have made calls about. And Robin Lopez, yeah, he would be a solid. Like, again, even if Capella comes back earlier than usual, they still need size. Like, Nene has not been you know, particularly reliable as a backup center this year. And the Rockets just need to shore up the rebounding in general. When Clint Capella is not on the floor, the rebounding is really bad. Uh, they have to do it by committee, and they just don't have any great plus rebounders to make up for what Capella brings. And so this is a problem they have to address anyways. This just forces the issue to be addressed perhaps a little bit earlier. Like maybe they'll make a trade. It, it really depends on how they survive here, huh? Yeah, uh, I think optimally they like to make a trade. The only problem with making a trade is that everybody worth trading for is going to be a pretty big investment and it's a pretty major move uh it it keeps your uh it does not keep your powder dry as it were they can't really make a lot of more moves if they go ahead and address this by like trading for tristan thompson or someone like that uh, so we'll say they do they'd like to be kind of all right if they can if they can limp through the next several games wait for some buyout candidates that's probably the best for them but we're gonna be looking at a lot of limping yeah a lot of limping uh a lot of fatigue for our guy James Harden, uh, who has been just carrying the load on offense to a dangerous degree, as uh, you'll hear I talked about in that interview with Dave. Um, I I think the Rockets need to be diligent in their search, but at the same time, they can't be panicky. And that's kind of the delicate line that Daryl Morey has to balance here. Um, as they sort of start to get healthy, they, they're getting... Uh, Eric Gordon back. I mean, they 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 did get Eric Gordon back, but he's on a minute limitation. Uh, they're they're gonna get Chris Paul back tomorrow, as Mike D'Antoni told us in practice today. Um, and they're they're gonna they're gonna slowly start to get you know just guys back in the rotation, and some of their worser rotation players through this run will be on the bench and no longer seeing the floor. And that's possibly like the biggest secondary benefit to getting guys healthy is getting, you know, the the bench unit that was playing entirely too much minutes, a rest, a breather, and um, less playing time, and getting those negative minutes fulfilled with substantially positive minutes in Chris Paul, Eric Gordon, and James Ennis. Um, it's but, nice to see Gary Clark, by the way. He's yeah, back now. Gary Clark's good. He's a good player. I, I like Gary Clark a lot. Like, I, I don't know why he was buried on the bench all of a sudden, but it was uh, very nice to see him out there. And we should probably talk about Daniel House because Daniel House um, is no this is longer... A weird, yeah, this is a weird situation. Yeah, and I think we're gonna, as, as we venture into the two-way contract era, I'm, I'm sure we'll see more of these kind of situations. 
arise. This is just fairly new because two-way contracts are new. So um, it, it's very bizarre to see uh, someone who's actually good not get a contract at the end of their NBA service days. So Daniel House uh, served out his NBA service days, so he is now required to fill out the rest of his days in the G League. And usually when that happens, both sides come to the table and they come... Uh, if the player is good enough, they'll get to a deal. And Daniel House has just been good enough. I mean, he's been a starter throughout this run to warrant negotiations. And the Rockets went to the table with, with, with Daniel House, uh, offered him a three-year deal. And uh, it was a lot of that three-year deal was non-guaranteed. And then the second year they gave him was guaranteed, very similar to Gary Clark's three-year minimum deal. Um, five, like, nearly $5 million in guaranteed money. That's a lot of money to turn down. And Daniel House gambled on himself. And he... yeah. yeah, and so what's happening is that uh, he would, instead he would rather become a restricted free agent at the end of the season because right. they, can, they can convert him to a minimum contract whenever they'd like. They can bring it back up at any moment, but that means making him on a minimum one-year deal that becomes a restricted free agent at the end of the year, which is good for for him because he's probably going to get a few bucks after this season. Yeah, and and bad for the Rockets because although they do have him on a minimum deal, they will not retain his bird rights. So they will not be able to go over the cap to retain him. They will have to use their exceptions to retain retain him, and I don't believe the Rockets want to do that. Uh, I, I think they want to you know keep those exceptions dry keep the powder dry if you will and i don't think daniel house will get a contract from houston if he were to be converted and i think the that's where the real issue is is here the rockets want to keep daniel house in house uh long term and daniel house uh wants to get you know secure his family's finances long term and uh, yeah. very reasonable on his part, very reasonable on the Rockets' part. Uh, no, yeah. no, Nobody's in the wrong here. Yeah, they don't want to use their mid-level exception because they can give him part of that mid-level exception and might sweeten it enough to get him to stick around for a few years. Uh, but they would, I think, like to see what's going to happen on the buyout market. That's what they're saving that for. Uh, unfortunately for them, they had to burn up all his uh, NBA service days already. So we might just see him out for a little while. I I kind of think House is going to win this one because they need him really badly, uh, and they they're going to bring him back to the team eventually. They can't not like if they don't give him that uh, if they don't give him that one year minimum, then they just if they give him the one year minimum, then he gets what he wants. Otherwise, they just don't get him to play for the Rockets anymore. So I feel like they're just going to have to relent at some point, give him his one year minimum, and hope that uh, he doesn't get paid too much in the off season. Right. See where the chips fall. And I, I ultimately think the Rockets will probably shore up their wing depth through a trade, which do you want to talk about? I know we talked about it a little bit with Dave, but I'll, I, I never got a chance to get into it with Dave about their wing depth. So they're playing pretty much four, four wings, basically. They're playing James Harden, and now they're playing Eric Gordon, Gary Clark, and they're playing James Nunnally. And Yes, new signee James Nunnally, who... Played the same day he flew into town. Just came in on a 10-day. Uh, hot shooter. Um, decent defender, although I, I didn't get a chance to get a, enough of a look in, of him in that Nets game. I'd like to see more before I, I'm, you know, I, I get a real conclu- I, got, I come to a real conclusion there. Good size. Um, I'm not sure if he's an NBA-level player, but the Rockets need him to be in the stretch. He's and, willing to shoot. Yeah, he's willing to shoot, and he can shoot. Uh but it's going to be interesting to see uh, how, his, how his situation plays out as well among this. And, and also also maybe James Ennis can stop getting cut on his leg? Yeah, yeah. James Ennis has been um, pretty unreliable for Houston this season, I would say. And, you know, I, I would say he's played up to his minimum contract. He hasn't been bad enough to where he's been a negative player, but I'd say he's played up to his minimum contract. Um, yeah, he's a good bench guy. Which is unfortunate because the Rockets wanted to, him to play above that minimum contract. And it looks like he's going to probably uh, pick up his player option for next year. Because as you remember, he has a two-year deal. And it's one year guaranteed this year. And then his next year is a player option. It's a minimum deal. So um, he might bank on himself. But the way he's playing, I don't think there's much to bank on. He might just pick that up. Um 
And it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they explore this trade market because I do think that they will get a wing through the trade market. Uh, I think that's the whole point of Brandon Knight on this roster. That's the whole purpose he is serving. Uh, he is only here so the Rockets can make a trade in which they can acquire significant salary and Brandon Knight's there to match salary. And he's taken off the last few games for sick days. Not not sick days, I'm sorry. Knee soreness. And um, he, it's likely his knee is sore because, I mean, that's he just came off an ACL tear. But I think it's possible that the Rockets are exploring trades in this time that he's been out. And, it should be. Yeah, and uh, and I think that the, they there's a real possibility when we, we may never see Brandon Knight on the, on the Rockets floor again, basically, is what, is what I'm getting at. Uh, there's a real possibility he gets traded before he ever gets the chance to come back. And I think I think they're going to make a move. The The real question is, is that move going to matter? Is that move going to swing the needle? What is it going to cost? And, you know, where is it going to come from? Like, th- these are the real questions we need to ask. And we're, we're really essentially talking about Houston's first-round pick this year, which I think would be a good pick to move because – from all indications, this draft is not that strong. This draft class is not, like, apart from Zion Williamson and, and R.J. Barrett and the top top of the draft, like, this draft class did not seem to be that deep. So this would be a good first-round pick to move, and obviously they've the Rockets are not hesitant to give up first-round picks. They've given up a bunch of first-round picks over the years, wisely so, but um, that's probably what's going to happen at this, tra- this year's trade deadline. Yeah, though unfortunately it does also make this pick a little less valuable if people know this is not a great draft class, but that's just how it goes. Uh, yeah, I think that's I mean, that's their package, right? It's uh, Brandon Knight as the main salary piece, then perhaps with some filler, depending on how big the Dan Cumming contract is, uh, and some draft picks of sweeteners, of which they have all their own coming up. So they right. can put in a Except package for what people want. that second-round pick that they traded Dallas. Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah. So, so they can they can sweeten the deal plenty, but the problem is how how much are they willing to pay? Right. Yeah. It, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. So, what I want to do here is let's do a little exercise. So, I, I'm I'm gonna come up with four names, and in that time, I want you to come up with four names of your of your own that you think the Rockets should and and probably will target. So. Here are the four names that I think the Rockets are actually targeting, and I feel like there's a realistic chance that they'll that they'll um, they'll come into trade negotiations with these teams. So number one on this list, I think, is Ken Bazemore. Uh, Ken Bazemore has been a name that you know Rockets fans have clamored for for the past six months. Uh, it's been a name that makes a lot of sense. He's uh, long. He's athletic. Uh, can defend. Uh, I, I think his defensive reputation is a little bit overrated, but he can defend, and, that, and that's all the Rockets need. They need able defenders, um, and you know a good shooter. I think I think that's a good name. Another name I think that the Rockets will go after is J.R. Smith of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think J.R. Smith is a name that they they like a lot. Uh, he's a home improvement project for Houston that they they love to take on. They lo- God knows they love to take on home improvement <laughs> projects. Um, so that's another name. Along that same line, I think Iman Shumpert of the Cavs is... Well, he's not on the Cavs anymore. He was on the Cavs. Um, Iman Shumpert is a name that the Rockets are, tar- are probably looking into because they've been rumored to look into him in the past. And I that that interest just doesn't, sh- doesn't just go away. The Rockets maintain interest for years and years they have discussions for years and years and i think that they're making uh i think that they're trying to feel test the waters for iman shepherd um and my last name uh i think that they are seriously trying to make a move for kcp contavious caldwell pope this obviously isn't news oh, that's a good one. yeah, for, yeah. Uh, of the los angeles lakers i think that uh the rockets really think that he can provide a lot to Houston even though he is more of a two than he is a three but he can play the three in a pinch uh he decent decent on ball defender off ball I'm not really sure if he provides a lot but on the ball they need on ball good on ball defenders anyways so that's a good name to target um yeah so what are four names that you've come up with Forrest 
Okay, so since you took half of them, I'm going to have to <laughs> do this on the fly because, uh, well, Kent Bazemore would be a great name. On a contract standpoint, he has the same number of years left as Brandon Knight. He's a little bit more expensive during those years, which actually is like a point in Houston's favor because it makes his contract, the uh, Brandon Knight's contract, a little bit easier to swallow. Uh, so comparatively, they would be the Hawks would be in a better position salary-wise after the trade than before. Uh, they still like Kent Bazemore a lot, though, so you'd have to sweeten that deal somewhat. I think. All right, look, this is this is I think the part where I may be going to disagree with a lot of people. I think the Hawks would ask for two firsts. I think everyone's going to ask for two firsts. I think they're going to want, and I think they'll settle for at worst a first and a second or two. It's a possibility. It's a possibility, especially if 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 Brandon Knight's not the only bad player that the Rockets are trading. If they're going to trade Marquise Chris, or if they're going to trade Carmelo Anthony, like I, I, it's a real possibility. Well, I'm not sure. I, I don't think in the CBA it, it allows them to trade Carmelo Anthony to Atlanta, but they could be shipping out uh, Carmelo Anthony to a third team if if they were to ship him out um, in that kind of a trade. But if they were to ship out some other you know, non-positive players back. It's possible that they'd want compensation for that because it would be it clear up a roster spot for Houston, and that they'd be doing Houston another favor on top of taking on Brandon Knight's contract and giving up that uh, Ken Bazemore. So, I, it's it's a real possibility that they give up more than one first-round pick. What I think is the most likely scenario for Houston's trade deadline is that they don't make one move; they make multiple moves, similar to what the Cavs did at this trade at the last trade deadline, where they had some serious roster issues, that, and they should trade with the Cavs too. <laughs> that, they, that they had to that, that they had to solve, and they went out and they targeted uh, a bunch of good, solid role players like Larry Nance Jr. Uh, and it really helped bolster their bench, and it really helped form a competent team around LeBron James. And I think that's kind of what Houston has to do right now with James Harden. They have to form some sort of competent team around him, like have some shooting, have some wing defense, have some bounce, have some have some size. Like they really need to restructure this team on the yeah. fly because it's not this team is not good enough to simply say none of these guys are tradable, right? Like James Harden is a, pretty much the only non-tradable on this team and cl- perhaps Clint Capella. Like everybody else yeah. and, should be And up you there. don't and you don't trade Chris Paul unless he wants to get traded because that's the cachet he has. Right. Yeah. And um that, that that's how I think the Rockets will go about this. I think they'll make multiple moves. And I think in doing that, they'll probably have to give up multiple assets. So who are the other names on your list? Well, speaking of the Cavs, I actually think they should look at Tristan Thompson. I think he does a lot of what they need someone to do. Uh, they don't just need someone to replace Clint Capella, which they do. They also need someone to back up Clint Capella. They also need someone who can play the four, who can rebound as well. Uh, so I think he actually fills quite a few of their needs. His contract is pretty rough, uh, but it's, once again, the same number of years as Brandon Knight's and a little bit bigger. So uh, if the Cavs really are just going to tank out, they don't, which they're doing whether they want to or not, uh, they don't need Tristan Thompson. Once again, they would they would want some, some, uh, some draft picks because Houston is, in fact, over a barrel. But uh, I think it's a gettable target that would help them immediately and also be useful in general. Uh, I would also look at a guy like Courtney Lee. Like I'm looking at a lot of people. Great name. That's a great name. He's on once again a similar contract to Brandon Knight, uh, and they really don't need him. The Knicks are terrible. He's old. Like they're not going. The Rockets wouldn't get any younger, but they would have a dependable guy who can play D and shoot some threes. And Courtney Uh, Lee has some experience playing multiple positions. He plays both the shooting guard and the the small forward position. Has has some good length. Yeah, and he can uh, fulfill his destiny to keep replacing Trevor Ariza. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Now, unfortunately, uh, once again, it would be lovely to see Trevor Reza back in a Rockets uniform, but I just don't think that's feasible unless he decides he wants to get bought out by Washington. Uh, And who knows what's going on there, but don't don't worry too much about Trevor Reza, everybody. (laughs) It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, I don't like. There's a lot of players I like to see come to Houston, like Damari Carroll, stuff like that. But they're just not gettable. They're not people that are reasonable to expect at all. Damari Carroll. There's a possibility the Nets do him a favor and buy him out if they don't make the playoffs. Right now, the the yeah, but they're gonna. The, the Nets are in a pretty good position to make the playoffs right now. But the, there's still a possibility that you know perhaps the Orlando Magic sneaks in. Uh, they've been p- playing pretty well of late, uh, and you know 
that that brings me to another name that I probably should. You know, I was gonna write a column on this. Like Terrence Ross is a name that I think the Rockets, uh, not just the yeah, Rockets. That'd be a good fit. I think the Rock. A lot of teams are are calling about Terrence Ross. Uh, that's that's the name I think makes a lot of sense for Houston. Has has become a very good three point shooter. Very good. Very dependable on that end. Very bouncy. Uh, somebody I think Houston will look at uh, another name. Uh, Kenneth Fareed. Kenneth Fareed is a name that I think will be gettable and uh, a name that I think uh, just provides yeah. that size. You can rebound and run. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And again, another home improvement project for Houston, which Daryl loves to take on. Like, it, once you look across the mar- the marketplace of the league and you look at Daryl's trade history, it's pretty. It, it becomes pretty clear the kind of guys he likes to trade for. And I think that's somebody that I would look at um, perhaps Derek Favors. Uh, this would be harder because his contract uh, is about sixteen point nine million dollars, and I think that the Rockets want to save very nice salary for a wing. But if they wanted a four that can play the five, uh, which would help them, uh, Brandon Knight. I mean, not Brandon Knight. I'm sorry, Derek Favors is a good is a good player. I talked about him on the last podcast with Kelly Iko. Uh, so, someone to look at. He seems available too. Yeah, and. I'm not sure if Wesley Matthews is available for Dallas, but you know there's a possibility they'll make a phone call. Is what I'll say. And this is the real pie in the sky. Uh, I don't think is available, but I'm sure they've made a oh, call you, on. Are you going to do what I think you're going to do? Auto Porter. Is oh, it, it, that's it, all I thought you were going to do. I think you're going to give him crazier than that. That's pretty. That Auto Porter's good. That's a that's a good player. He yeah, would fit really yeah. well in Houston. And that would be a long term kind of player that you'd bring in. But his salary is so big. Uh, I'm not sure if the Houston has. Well, let's see. Let's go look up his, his salary. Auto Porter is getting paid. Auto, it's a bunch. Everyone in the Wizards is getting he's paid. Getting paid a billion dollars. Twenty. He's he's gonna get twenty seven million dollars in twenty nineteen and twenty eight million dollars in twenty twenty. Yeah, that that that's pretty again pie in the sky. The Rockets don't have the kind of salary to match that kind of contract. Oh, what's he getting paid this season? He's getting paid twenty six million dollars. Oh God, that's really hard to match. I don't yeah, know if they can yeah, match that. Yeah, yeah. That, I, that, that's probably unrealistic. I was just uh, I just kind of threw it out there without looking at his contract. I mean, I think that if you were able to match that, they would probably give you assets to take him because that's going to be a brutal contract that's going to destroy you pretty soon. So, like, imagine the Rockets with two guys making forty plus a year, and also him making twenty five, and also Clint Capella making like eighteen. Yeah, they're deep into the luxury tax as it is. And That's again, if if Tillman's really all about spending the luxury tax money, trading for a guy like Otto Porter would definitely send that kind of message. Um, but I, I don't. Again, I don't think it's realistic. I, I again, that was super pie in the sky. Like that's probably the best player among the ones I just mentioned. He's probably the best of the bunch. Uh, would be a very good long term starter if he were on a cheaper contract. But yeah, there there there's some names out there like. A lot of people are talking about how there's not a lot of sellers. And, you know, like, I even said this in the last podcast with Kelly Iko. Like, yeah, it's true. But then after the podcast, I looked at the landscape of the league. But there's a lot of names out there that can be had. I feel like the trade market is generally going to be pretty pretty good at the trade deadline this season. And I think there's going to be a lot of teams that want to make trades. So it's going to be really competitive. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That there's a lot of teams that think they can get really good if only they move this guy who's underperforming for them. And also a lot of teams who are often the same teams who are who think they can get really good if they can pick up one of those guys who's underperforming somewhere else and give them a better situation. So we might see a lot of these guys who are kind of disappointing all getting shuffled around. Yeah, and you know, it, a lot of this really ma- like depends on if teams like Dallas and Sacramento are really serious about making the playoffs this season and want to make a win now move instead of you know looking at the high high the higher goals. Hey, you know? Sacramento should, Dallas should not. Dallas is not making the playoffs, but yeah. Sacramento is. Yeah, yeah. It, well, they're a ten seed right now. They are again. All this is relative. They're like two games, like a game and a half actually outside of the eight seed. So, yeah, they, they, they definitely have a realistic possibility there. But, they're, again, they're, they aren't the only team that's going to be a buyer. Like, we're talking the Lakers are going to be a buyer. The, the Kings are going to be a buyer. 
I, I think there's a possibility that Oklahoma City will look out will look, be a buyer for some shooters. I think there's a possibility that Detroit's a buyer. There's a possibility that Philly Philly is a buyer. It's not a possibility. They are a buyer. Boston's a buyer. Um, you know, the, the, there's a and, bunch of uh, teams that are buyers. Portland. They're going to be sellers too, though, which I think you, you convinced me of already. I'm, I'm taking this, this stance hard. Is that they're also going to be sellers because uh, they have their own guys they think are not working out well enough, and they're going to want to try to get something for. Yeah. So the real gist, the, the gist of this discussion is, I think there are guys out there, and I think the Rockets will have a really active. Se- like I would say, like Daryl's mid-season acquisitions will try and you know make up for the sins of this offseason. And I think there's a possibility that it does, especially if you account for the signings that they make throughout the season, like Austin Rivers, uh, Daniel House, if they can get Daniel House back. Um, and, you know, just getting rid of guys that weren't really providing you any value, like Carmelo Anthony and Zochi and perhaps Nene. Like, you know, just guys that are salary filler contracts. Like, there's a possibility that these guys get moved for some positive you know, assets. So it should be interesting how Houston decides to go about it. I'm really fascinated. So we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and transition over to this interview with Dave. This podcast could be really long, but I think it's gonna be really good. This uh, this interview with Dave again. Uh, Dave is really down the Rockets. That's just a heads up. Our special guest, Dave DeFore. How you doing, Dave? I am great. I am doing really really well. Actually, Dave, you're hosting like a million podcasts now. Like I'm not sure if you uh, noticed that. I all right, listen. I host two podcasts. That's it. Yeah, I but host, I see you I host almost Daily everywhere. I now I I say yes to a lot of podcasts. So I do a lot of podcasts. I only host two. I host the Daily Ding, uh, which you can find Sunday through Friday, uh, or I guess Monday through Friday. Uh, we record Sunday nights after the games, um, and and that's just our little recap pod. And then I, you know, I host uh, the back-to-back podcast, and uh, specifically Nerder She Wrote, um, all of which are part of the Count the Dings network. Yeah, yeah that, that that Count the Dings network is like amazing. Like I, I just love how it's like homegrown. It's not funded by like a big corporate media company. It's just you guys, and it's like it's like what Jade cultivated on his own. Like I think that's the coolest thing. Yeah, we're the twenty-seven Yankees. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I gotta send that tweet. Yeah, 100%. And you're also, more importantly, a former boxing judge, which is... <laughs> I still can't believe it's not in your Twitter bio by now, which I would have done that almost immediately. Um, so the last time we talked was at Summer League, and you were speaking at SBC. And for those of you guys that have never been at Summer League, you got to go. It's like, that was my first time there. It's just basically a giant basketball convention slash networking event, like... Everybody with any sort of importance to the NBA was there. It's funny. You walk down the halls, and it's like you run into Danny Age one minute and Mike D'Antoni the next. So anyways, and like Dave DeFore right after that. I mean, right. it's just every, all the big names exactly. in the NBA. Yeah, and like just like Tom Aberster. Anybody, anybody who's anybody to do with the NBA is there. And anyways, we're like we're there, and it's free agency. And at that point, it had already been five days since free agency started. And the Rockets had already lost Trevor Ariza like five days ago. So it's it's just me, and I'm like talking to guys. And I, maybe it was just me experiencing this. But almost everybody I talked to had some sort of concern about the Rockets. Like almost everybody I talked to there was like, man, the Rockets, they just lost Trevor Ariza. I don't know what they're going to do to replace them. And I was just kind of like, yeah, but they still have Luke and Bamute. It's fine. Like the I, I trust Daryl. He, he'll figure this out. And then this bombshell drops in the middle of summer league that Luke and Bamute signed with the Los Angeles Clippers, and the panic level in every single room in that arena was like went from like a four to like a ten, and almost everybody was talking about the Rockets at that point, which was just fascinating. Like it was like every conversation you went to at that moment, Luke and Bamute signed with the Clippers, was about the Rockets and how they just completely botched their wing their wings in free agency, like they have absolutely no wing depth and me i'm still like man like they're they're talking to james ennis they'll be and they still have pj tucker they'll be fine but boy was i wrong man their defense this season is like night and day from how great it was last year they still don't have a reliable starting small forward unless you're talking about re-signing clint capella and chris paul 
almost all their off-season additions have not worked out. Yeah, it's been rough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I wasn't surprised that they struggled. Okay, like I, I think I might have been. Oh, you were the on biggest. For yeah, I, I was probably the biggest pessimist because I I do understand how valuable Trevor Ariza was for that team, uh, and and Mbamute, particularly in the regular season because that's where they really you know they won sixty five games because of those guys. So not only that, but Clint Capella coming in out of shape or maybe not healthy, didn't do him any favors either. And we didn't know that this summer. But Yeah, he, he, he was definitely out of shape. To, to my, He had an ankle injury earlier in the year, but to my knowledge, I don't think he had an injury going into training camp. Like He just came in randomly out of shape. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, was, so, it was a huge shock. Yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't surprised that they struggled. I, I've been more surprised by how Harden's been able to just, you know, hoist the entire team on his back and, you know, kind of pull them out of the the morass that they started the season in. Yeah, and I'm looking at this list of of additions they had on the off season, and, and I maybe I shouldn't be surprised that they underperformed. So I, listen to this list: so Carmel Anthony, Brandon Knight, Marquise Chris, Michael Carter Williams, and even James Ennis is underperformed. So at this point, you can objectively say that they had a bad off season, and, and mm-hmm. you were you were on this early. Like the, it was they, a failure. Yeah, yeah, they had it was pretty much every signing except for the re-signings were bad. Like it was they took a lot of gambles and usually at least one or two of them hit, but I don't think any of these hit. And and that's what's really hurt the rock is because at this point they're just completely devoid of depth, especially with the injuries they've taken on. Uh Eric Gordon just now came back. Clint Capella out to out for 4 to 6 weeks. Um and now James Harden's having to play like 45 minutes a night and he just can't do it all by himself. He can't. Like, I know it looks like he's playing like superhuman right now, but I mean, so that Nets game, uh, I'm not sure if you're watching that Nets game, Dave, but like towards the end of the game, Harden was just setting screens for Austin Rivers because he was just too tired to move. Like you just what you just didn't want to handle the basketball. That almost never happens with Harden. He always wants to have the basketball. And at that point in the game, he's just like, you know what? I, I can't do this. I, I'm just gonna set screens for Austin Rivers and get the hell out the way. And and that's kind of the danger zone we're in with the Rockets right now. Yeah, I mean, look, man, lack of depth. Uh, Chris Paul looking like he's washed. Eric Gordon having a terrible season. Clint Capella has has been great lately, but like you said, he's out. It's this has been a rough year, and and it looks like it's going to continue to be rough because they're they're going to really struggle without Capella, like we saw against the Nets the other night. Um, Capella is probably the unsung hero of this run that they've been on since you know December first or whatever it was. Uh, he you know Harden Harden obviously is going to get most of the credit, rightfully so, but Capella kind of being in shape and stepping it up and getting close to what he was last year on defense has been huge for them. Right. Yeah, he, just, he had a bunch of 2020 20 games. Lately, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had like a bunch of monster rebounding games, which towards the beginning of the season, he could not rebound the basketball. Like he could yeah. not, like he was averaging like what, eight rebounds per game or something like that. And the Rockets that to, to their credit, they stopped switching their five bands so it was basically they would drop their five back and they would switch one through four. So C- Capella would stay back at the at the basket to rebound, and that helped his rebounding numbers a little bit. But they're still bottom ten in defense defensive rebounding percentage. Like they're still struggling there. And I'm not sure what it's going to take for them. To, like so they're having to play small ball a lot more now. Like PJ Tucker is having to play center a lot more, and he just didn't play at all in the beginning of the season. Mike D'Antoni completely abandoned. P.J. Tucker at the center at the beginning of the season. And now they're having to rely on that a lot more. Gary Clark's having to play bigger positions. Uh, and now they don't even have have Daniel House anymore because they just lost him in negotiations. Uh, and they had, to, they had to sign James Nunnally. And right at this point in the season, they're just kind of struggling for bodies. Like the, Mike D'Antoni is just putting this these lineups together with duct tape. Like they're, it's, I, I don't know how they're finding players. Like, like they have... No bodies. Like I don't like they're playing nine guys sometimes and I'm just like I'm looking at the guys and I'm like, is that is that 
is that Gerald Green playing 30 minutes tonight? Like, that's that's ridiculous. Like, Gerald Green should not be playing crunch time in a major basketball game at this point. Like, he, he he's really fine as a seventh or, or ninth, seventh or eighth guy on your team. But if he's your closing lineups, man, you're in da- you're in seriously dangerous territory. It was, it was a big red flag when they signed Awesome Rivers and he immediately played 25 minutes a game the, the very second they signed him. They've really had to... He's averaging like 35 yeah. right now. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's doing his job incredibly well, but they just literally have to play whoever they have. They don't really get to pick what their rotations are at this point. They just have the players they have and... They have to hope Daryl Morey finds somebody to fill in the gaps before the next person gets hurt. Yeah, and like, again, back to James Harden and the fatigue, man. Like, so I was talking about this a little bit to the reporters at, at the Toyota Center. I'm, I'm just like, at at some point, you have to be worried about in, a, a serious injury here because this is how this is basically how Kobe tore his Achilles. A stretch like this where you're just playing like 35 to 40 minutes a night and having to carry the entire offense and have a s- insane usage rate. Like this, like, yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy and entertaining in terms of like the numbers he's putting up. But at, at some point, it just becomes dangerous. Like, n- n- like not only postseason fatigue or whatever, like I know a lot of people are talking about that. At this point, you have to worry about the immediate impact. Like this guy could get hurt. Like this guy could get like when you play basketball for thirty five minutes a night, thirty five plus minutes a night, your brain starts to get tired, and when your brain starts to get tired, you start to make stupid mistakes. And when you make stupid mistakes on the basketball court, like you could land wrong, you could you, you could you know slide over on a rotation the wrong way, maybe bang knees. Like you could get seriously hurt on the basketball court when you're getting fatigued like this. Absolutely. I mean, we we know too much about what fatigue means. You know, the Rockets are too smart of an organization to to run it this way. That That's the truth. And, and they had a failure of a summer. And, you know, um, we're seeing it now because every team has injuries every single season and they just weren't ready for this. Yeah. And it's one thing if Brandon Knight was out there and he was bad. He's just stopped playing completely now. Like he's 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 missing games due to knee soreness, and so Harden's not getting any help there. And Michael Carter Williams, when he's on the floor, he's a huge negative, a huge liability. So it's pretty much him and Austin Rivers doing all the ball handling. And I, like I said, the fatigue has got to add up. And at this point, like the Rockets are obviously they're incredibly grateful that Eric Gordon came back from his from his knee injury, but they're going to have to find ways to rely less on him like he's got to play like 35 minutes a night for the rest of the season for his minutes to get back to a normal like starting you know superstar caliber minutes like he can't be playing 38 minutes a night he should really just be playing 34 to 35 and that's kind of the reason they brought in Chris Paul in the first place was to stagger the stagger Harden and Paul and have you know Harden's minutes get dropped down and have Chris Paul take over the load but Chris Paul is coming back next week man and they have the Lakers coming. Whoa, 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 whoa! Wait, what? Yeah, I must have missed that. Yeah, Chris Paul is coming back next week. Okay. Wait, was he ever here? That's that's <laughs> the question. Listen, hamstring injuries for old guys. Go look. At, go look at the track record. They come back. This is why I'm worried about LeBron with the groin. Right, groin, hamstring. Uh, very difficult injuries to come back from. Period. He clearly was struggling early on the season. Looks washed, and now he's re-aggravated the hamstring injury from last year. I think to expect Chris Paul to come back and contribute in any positive way is beyond hopeful. That's that's a pretty hot take, though. I want to I want to stew in that take for a second. This is basically, I mean, it sounds like you're saying that Chris Paul is pretty much done career wise of being a valuable player. Didn't he look done before he got hurt? I I think he can still Some be a nights. valuable player. I don't think he's he's Chris Paul, Chris Paul anymore. Like I, I think well, right, he's, but he's being paid like Chris Paul, Chris Paul, and and that hamstrings your, your hamstrings, huh? Your team. I mean, so at this point, well, I just think the Rockets need to find hard, hard and some offensive help. And I, I I do believe, yeah, Chris Paul is like a shell of himself, and yeah, Chris Paul uh, probably won't be the same top 10 level player he was the past five or six seasons but like they just need someone to take some 
you know, offense a load off Harden because Austin Rivers can't do it himself. And it's kind of disappointing that we're talking about Austin Rivers as a major piece <laughs> on a five seed in the Western Conference. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, that Harden is just having to do way too much. And, like, if, if, if it takes having to get some, like, you know, half minutes from Chris Paul, I think it's worth it because you, you take that over whatever the hell is going on right now. Well, I, I kind of want to get into it because if if Chris Paul is toast, and I'm not saying he's not, he very well may be toast at this point. If he is, then there's really not much of a point in doing anything else, right? Like if, if that $40 million a year is giving you the same production as like, you know, 3.5 or 4 or something from some guy on the, on the uh, mid-level exception, then your team does not have the ability to put the necessary pieces around James Harden to actually get to the level they need to be at, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, so what's, I mean, so why bother at that point other than just trying to, you know, make the playoffs, get some playoff revenue and sell some tickets? Um, that's, I mean, you basically kind of nailed it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not, I mean, I don't think I'm breaking news here. He looks done. Yeah, well, he looks done. I'm not ready to go. He's done. I'm. I'm. Re- I think I'm ready to say he's not like a top ten level player anymore. And like I, I, when he was playing earlier this season, he he did look really really shocked. Like 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 shell shocked in terms of like his movements off of pick and rolls. Like he just like Chris Paul used to have like a bounce to him on pick and rolls. He used to have really clever Huge. dribble moves, and he used to have like. A really good first step that that created that mid range jumper for him. That that the space he used to get off of the mid range jumper was because his first step was so good, and he, he clearly doesn't have that same explosiveness. This is off that first step anymore. This has been the worst season of his career so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, lowest win shares per forty eight of his career. Um, you know, uh, lowest points per game for his career. Um, you know, I like. I could just point out all of these things that are the lowest, and it sucks. It sucks. Lowest yeah. field goal percentage of his career. Yeah, and it's funny. You you used to see this stuff with like Steve Nash and like Tony Parker when they got to the later stages of their career. Like they wouldn't just completely stop being great. What would happen is you'd see the greatness sporadically instead of night to night. Like it'd become like okay, Chris Tony Parker put up like fourteen and like three. And, like, the next night he'd put up, like, 28 and, like, 7. And, like, it would just be really inconsistent like that. And up until a point where you stopped seeing those 28 and 7s. And I'm not sure if we're uh, ever going to see a consistent level of greatness from Chris Paul. But you're right. If they're paying him to be that consistent level, I am Chris Paul. I am one of the four best point guards in the NBA. Like... And he's not producing like it, man. Like, the Rockets are in some serious salary cap hell. Because I don't know how the hell you get off that contract. Well, you can't. Even if you, you have can't. a way off that contract, you can't get rid of it. Because you can't just throw out a, a player of Chris Paul's level. You, you have to manage your reputation around the league. And you have to show that you're willing to stick around with these guys that you've signed up to have long term. They're stuck with James Harden, Chris Paul, and Clint Capella. That was thought to be a very good thing a few months ago. Uh, we'll see how. No one, hold on, hold on a second. Wait a second, Forrest. What? When they when they signed Chris Paul to that contract, no one thought it was a good contract. It, well, even, I, I refuse to believe even Daryl Morey thought it was a good contract. Everyone knew it was a bad contract. He's a small point guard, and he's old. I mean, he's not really old in the grand scheme of life, but in basketball, okay, <laughs> he's going to turn thirty four this season, right? Thirty four. Yeah, I, yeah, but I'd say that yeah. even at the time it was graded on that curve, right? We knew that we knew no, that he it was, was graded going to on the max. curve of we all knew he had to do it because that's what he promised. Yes, and that was it. But it it's a bad deal. It was a bad deal the day he signed it, and and going into that trade that they made, and knowing you were going to wind up signing him to this max, it was a bad deal. Well, I think yeah. Daryl will tell you that I don't think they thought Chris Paul would be this bad on the initial start of that contract. I, I think they expected right. some years One like or two this at years. the tail end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then you pay you're paying up you're paying on the back end for the upfront production, right? Which right. is how most of it works, right? Right. This was you know you pay to keep him and you worry about the rest later. 
And unfortunately, they have to worry about the rest now, which is something I don't think they expected. And you know, it we still don't know if like I want to see a larger sample from Chris Paul, like a a good forty game sample from Chris Paul before we say he's done. But his initial like his start to the season is you're right has not been promising at all to suggest anything other than yeah he's he's declined significantly. Well, I think Dave brought up a really good point, which is that the die was cast as soon as they traded for Chris Paul in the first place. Uh, and I think, to a large degree, that's where you have to... If you want to like chase down this causality chain and see who to blame and who to get mad about, I think it does start there, right? That That's when you decided on what the course of the team was going to be. Because, uh, you know, it isn't like they didn't know he was an injury-prone 32-year-old when they brought him on in the first place. So... Uh, yeah, it's it's all gone. I think much worse than anybody could have expected. Uh, some some of these smarter heads, like Dave, were saying that this was going to go badly. But I, I don't know. I don't think anybody saw it going this badly. But it was always going to go off the rails somewhat. So let's just talk about Clint Capella for a little bit because we just got word of his surgery yesterday. He's going to be out four to six weeks. Uh, that's his official diagnosis. He got surgery on his right thumb for some ligament damage. I don't know how they're going to replace that level of production that he was given the Rockets because, he, he, again, he was pulling down like 12 rebounds a game and he was easily Houston's best screen setter. And the way he set screens for Harden is so instrumental to how they run their offense. The threat of his dive attack is so important for how the Rockets have, you know, die, how they have died their offense, how they have spread the floor. His athletic spacing is how, is so important to how they play, and I'm not sure how they replace that over the four to five year, the or over the four to five week period that they have. Uh, they have to because at this point they're just going to have to play small ball. But over the long term, do you guys see any just on the market? Do you guys see any possible center replacements that they could fill in in the short term until Capella gets back? I think that the buyout market, you know, is kind of dry right now. I was thinking Brooke Lopez, but you don't want to trade for Brooke. Um, Maybe because you just don't want to give up anything. I, I meant Robin. Sorry, I meant Robin, not Brooke. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's tricky. It's they're in a tricky spot, not having you know any any depth at all. It hurts them, and Nene can't go out there and give you thirty minutes a night. Yeah, and I was just talking to Nate today, and like his groin still bothers him. Like his groin. Well, because those injuries stick around. Yeah, yeah, and he was talking about man, like I played seventeen years, man, and like these injuries just like the groin, like it's good some days and it's bad, it's bad other days, and I can't play more. Like he didn't say this, but he indirectly told us, like man, I can't really play more than fifteen to twenty minutes a game anymore. Like it's just not possible. My body won't let me do it. And and the nights that he does play like twenty five minutes, he's gonna have like a month off afterwards. Like Mike D'Antoni was literally talking about this. Like we can't have, we can't afford to lose him for a month. At this point, we're gonna have to keep him to his minutes limitation because they have no other options. They have to play these small ball units. They have to try out. They have to try out Isaiah Hardenstein. They have to try out Marquise Chris. And what's unfortunate is like I I I don't. Again, I don't really see any solution on the market. Even if Robin Lopez does does get bought out, I mean, there's no guarantee that he picks the Rockets. There are plenty of teams that would like to fight for the services of Robin Lopez. Sure, I think the Rockets might have somewhat of an advantage in that they're a playoff team and that they have their taxpayer mid-level exception. But, I mean, do you really see him signing up to be Clint Capella's backup when he returns? I, I don't know. No. Yeah, yeah. The problem I mean, with them is that anybody decent is going to be very hard to get, except through trades, and they're going to pay through the nose for any trade. Everybody knows they have Houston over a barrel, and they're not going to get good value for anybody. So let's talk about the trade deadline. So this trade deadline, more than most, is Houston's most tra- important trade deadline, and I would say at least two or three years because they have such. Like they have, they don't just have one need. Like, okay, we have to fill in the starting small forward, and that's it. Like, no, they have like three or four needs. Like, they have to get more shooting, they have to get more size, and they have to get more wing depth. Like, that's 
That's a lot. And the Rock, the, to the Rockets' credit, they do have all their first-round picks moving forward, but none of their contracts are, like, attractive. Like, Brandon Knight is not a contract that teams want to take on. They're going to have to give up a first-round pick just to unload his contract. And, you know, if, if you're trying to t- target guys uh, with, with, big, with big salaries, which I'm, sh- I'm sure they do because those, those are the good players, like, you're going to have to attach Brandon Knight. And, you know, let's just say they want to do a trade for Kent Bazemore with Atlanta. Like, and, and your starting price is Brandon Knight in the first-round pick. Like, I think Atlanta might ask for a second, like, another second-round pick. They're going to have to pay through. I think you're right for us. They're, every team knows that they have Houston over a barrel because nobody wants to take take on these big contracts. And if you look on if you look if you look at the books, I mean they don't have much filler contract that they can use to fill in trades. Like they have Marquise Chris, they have Nene, they have Carmelo Anthony. But I mean, do teams really want those players? Like, I I think we can safely say Marquise Chris is not a good basketball player. Like, it, the, 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 we can. Every team in the NBA has has given up on him pretty much, and um, I don't think that any team wants to take on even the last year of his deal. His, his next season is is guaranteed, but like taking on the the next whatever whatever forty one games of Marquise Chris, I'm not sure that it's a, it's a positive proposition for a team like Atlanta or New York. Yeah. It's they're in a they're in a terrible position. I mean, I like I I think I've said it like ten times already. Like they they're just in a bad spot. Uh, but at least they are willing to trade every single draft pick that they have. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. We know they're willing to trade four of them. Yeah, I mean you're right. They're just they're there's just not much available. I mean, I wonder if the Sixers might be interested in moving Jimmy Butler there. But what are I'm they going to get in return? Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not comfortable predicting how Jimmy Butler is going to go tomorrow. So I'm definitely not willing to say that he would have done great in Houston in some alternate timeline as well. I I have no idea. There's only question marks. Like the Rockets had everything go wrong in a situation where they have no resources to fix it in a year when everything is incredibly confusing and unstable. This is really this is a pretty close to a worst case scenario. I don't know how they're going to approve. What are they going to do? Trade for Tristan Thompson? Uh, which they could, but then you can't really trade for anybody else, and you have to deal with well, everything that entails. I'll put a name out there just to keep an eye on, because the Rockets have been rumored uh, to go after this player before, and it, 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 it'd make a lot of sense for them to try and go after him again. Like, maybe... like I don't think this is going to solve you know much of their long-term problems or anything. I, I, I think this is a short-term Band-Aid solution. But possibly Iman Shumpert, like I, I think that's a name to watch at this trade deadline. Uh, and you know the Rockets have also been rumored to be after J.R. Smith. I think, you know, I just, I just, I just keep an eye on the Rockets and Cleveland. I, I think there's a real possibility for them to get a deal done at this trade deadline. Like I think the, they have a lot of players that they're willing to sell on uh, because it's it's become pretty apparently clear that they're they're not anywhere close to becoming a playoff team. Uh, they're possibly the worst team in the NBA this season. And I think that they're going to be a huge seller at the, at the deadline. So I just keep an eye on Cleveland. I just keep an eye on Cleveland as a possible, you know, target for Houston's uh, buyer. You, you just listed out Iman Shumpert and J.R. Smith. And I'm reminded why. JR, hey, J.R. Yeah. would help them. I think I still think J.R. can play. I think J.R. can go somewhere and actually help. He can shoot. He can still shoot. He's like a thirty-seven point eight percent three-point shooter for his career. What do you think of J.R. Smith? He's better than the end of the bench in Houston, a hundred percent. So he would definitely help. He probably but... would start. Oh, God, yeah, for the time being, he definitely would, or perhaps forever, because they had they still had Daniel House starting. Who who knows what happens Daniel with Daniel House? Maybe he just uh, plays in the G League for the rest of the year. Yeah, that situation was odd. So Daniel House. Um, so Daniel House obviously ran out of days on his NBA con- on his two-way deal for the- to play in the NBA, and the Rockets could not get a deal done with him. And it looks like they're at a stalemate right now. Daniel House is currently playing in the G League. They offered him a three-year deal, non-guaranteed. That was the first offer, and the second offer they went ahead and make those th- those three minimum years guaranteed, pretty much the same contract that they gave to Gary Clark, and. 
like Daniel House turned it down. And honestly, there's not much Houston can do, all you know, on top of that. Like they, again, part of why the CBA works is they prevent good teams from paying for you know really good player prospects like Daniel House. Like the Rockets don't have much to work with. Like they have their taxpayer MLE, but they've been rumored to wanting to save that for the buyout market. And if they use that up on Daniel House, I don't think they want to do that. So they came to a point where Daniel House turned down $5 million guaranteed money to gamble on himself uh, and enter the free agency market this season, th- this summer. And that's ballsy. It's, it's really ballsy of him. And I actually think he might he might get a pretty good offer because, I mean, a lot of teams can use a wing right now. And in the summer where, you know, there's not that many great wing options available like, I think Daniel House will actually receive a pretty good offer here. So, I think he has, I don't think he has the Rockets over a barrel, but I think he has some leverage here. Yeah, I think he does. He's he's what they need, you yeah. know? Um, well, they're in a tough spot. Be- Listen, man, I, I think their championship window was last season and it closed. Like, I mean, I, of course, when you've got a guy like Harden, it's not hard to, to rebuild on the fly. Um, but the, the Chris Paul contract sucks. It, it it stinks, man, because I liked what they did last year, and I love that what Harden is doing this year. Like it's just you know the the watching a guy play so so crazy out of his mind as an individual like this, right? Like we don't see this anymore. It's historical. It, Cur- it's... Curry's fifteen sixteen is like the closest in recent memory, um, and and but that was such a team-oriented style, he was just ridiculous. This is James Harden saying, everyone hop on my back. I'm going to do all this. All I need you to do is hit some shots. That's it. I got everything else. It's (laughs) nuts. And I want to see them succeed this way, but, you know, things aren't working out. They don't have the roster. Yep, and if if guys can't hit shots, they're totally sunk. Like, there were parts in that Nets game where they were just leaving – other guys open on the perimeter to sell out to guard James Harden. And if those other guys don't hit those shots and they weren't a lot of time, then that's it. Uh, so that's, that's the most depressing part is like you said, all they, all he needs is some guys to hit some shots. And when they can't hit the shots, it's, it turns this historically incredible, like spectacle we're watching into something that just feels kind of wasted. Yeah. And I think the only way the, the Rockets can possibly salvage their season is if Chris Paul comes back and he's like, he doesn't have to be exactly the player he was last year. If he can be 70% of the player he was last year, and if the Rockets can pull some miracle stuff at the trade deadline, like kind of similar to like what the Cavs did at last at the last trade deadline. Like they have to do like three trades. They have to do a lot to this roster to get it to where it needs to be. And then we can start talking. Like I don't think, like it's pretty clear, like, like, this roster on paper right now, it's not ready to contend. But, you know, it, if we come back here in two or three months and they've gotten rid of some of these negative players and they replace them with some real contributors, then maybe we can talk about this team as possibly a dark horse contender again. But again, they're never going to get back to where they were last year just because defensively, they don't have the horses to be where they were last year. They just don't. And offensively, yeah, like Harden can take you to the promised land on the offensive end. Like he, they're a top three offense right now, and it's pretty much just because James Harden's doing what he's doing. But defensively, they're going to need some horses, and to do that, Daryl's going to have to do a lot of rejiggering to this, to this roster at the trade deadline, and he's going to have to do. A, he's going to have to get really lucky at the buyout market too. Like some really good players have to get bought out, and Houston has to pounce on all those good players for them to get back to where they were, even like sixty percent of where they were last year. Well, they need Austin Rivers to keep cheerleading about how happy he is, so uh, maybe other buyout players will want to come by. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't expect too much. Uh, I, I, I mean, they need a miracle, but they have like one contract that can trade for a decent player. Uh, I, I think they're going to do everything they can, but I just don't see how they have the resources or the market to really make a big splash at the trade deadline. They'll probably get one decent guy who's going to help in exchange for Brandon Knight and some sweeteners, but I don't, I don't see what they have beyond that. Who can even be moved? They don't have anyone who's on a contract big enough to come close to matching anyone who's decent. Yeah, it's pretty much just Brandon Knight and salary filler and their first round draft picks. That that's all they have to work with. Like, 
And it sucks because DeAnthony Melton would have been a really nice trade chip for them, or even a contributor had they not done that trade. Because DeAnthony Melton, I mean, like as a prospect that he's really tantalizing and could have provided the Rockets a lot of value on the trade market. And now they don't absolutely. have that anymore. Yep, absolutely. Could have yeah. kept the powder dry. Yeah. So subscribe to the Ready Schnoops podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at NBA. Follow Forrest on Twitter at Donuts. And follow Dave on Twitter. Dave, what's your Twitter, Andrew? At DaveDuforeNBA. And yeah, guys. Good night.